Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Nina Kalza Show. Well, you know what? It is so nice and so healthy to get those three points early in the weekend, early on a Saturday morning. Um, just to apply the pressure on Manchester City. It, what an eventful week it's been for the Reds. Plenty to talk about. And my word, uh, I have two phenomenal guests on, on the pod with me. I'm really excited to talk with them and obviously, you know, recap on the game. And I'm sure you guys, the listeners, are going to enjoy the insight. And again, a massive shout out to everyone that's joined us live on Discord. So without further ado, let me introduce my excellent panel. They are familiar voices, but we love having them on all the same. First up, not spoken to him in a while. Um, I like looking at records and his evening kickoff record is impeccable. And I was actually sat there thinking, mm, I wonder how we'll do today. And I wonder if his record still stays intact. And of course, I am talking about Carl. Carl, welcome to the show. Hi, Nina. Thanks for having me back. It's It's been a, a while. I've, I've been busy with <laughs> moving house, but I'm, I'm glad to, to be back on the pod. And I'm glad that it's, it's with a win. Early for you as well. So, you know, it's great to have you on. And, you know, I, I like the fact that, you know, people probably looking at that team lineup, which we'll talk about in a minute. And I'm just sat there thinking, ooh, let me look at the stats of my, my, my uh, panel. How are they going to do today? This is what happens when you're podcasting people. But Carl's on and we won and it's excellent. And joining Carl on this podcast, you know what? I have a, I have a big smile on my face because, you know, she's absolutely infectious. I love hearing her on podcasts. I love working with her as well. And uh, again, she doesn't need a, an introduction. She should be the official call recording voice on podcast. If you've listened to the main AI show, the previous one, you'll know what I'm talking about and who I'm talking about. It is the wonderful um, Lisa Marie. Welcome back. Hello. Thank you, Nina. I'm so happy to be back, even if it is quite early on this side of the Atlantic. Um, and I'm just going to oh, warn everyone. I'm about 
Can you not hear me? Can you hear me okay? No, we hear you fine. What time okay, are fine. we on? Yeah. It is, well, it's 8.42. Um, I'm oh. about two and a half cups of coffee in, so I am, yeah. She's wired and she's charged and I'm I expect wired. a lot of energy. You should come with a warning, yes. Yeah, I, I am expecting a lot of energy, but you know what? So much respect for you guys getting up early and I knew it would be an early one for you as well. And again, thank you so much for joining us. Right, before I get into everything, I just want to get your brief thoughts um, on, on the whole situation before we go to our, our first caller, who again is a familiar voice. So Gags just put something in Discord here and... Um, you know, April was a pretty, pretty intense month for the Reds. And, you know, in that time, beat Watford, beat Benfica, drew to City, drew to Benfica, beat Man City in the FA Cup, beat Man United, beat Everton, beat Villarreal and beat Newcastle. And you know what? I think if we just pause, reflect and breathe, uh, it was the month of Ramadan. We're coming to the end of it. So obviously it's been a very intense month for just Muslims and for myself in general, some of our players as well. But those games, I was like, oh, gosh, I'm busy. Uh, that was a hectic, hectic schedule with big, big state games there. So I want to get your thoughts in terms of, I think you have to sit there and just marvel at this team. And Carl, I'm going to come to you first, just regards to that fixture list, the calibre of teams that we had to play and the Reds record there. So Carl, I'll come to you first. I mean, what do you make of that? Yeah, I mean, it, it was a really tough ask. But, you know, the, the, we've got such a solid squad. I mean, there's there's depth in, in virtually every area. And I think Klopp has, has maximised that. You know, he, he hasn't necessarily made rang in the changes every game, but he uses the subs, particularly in Europe. He, he makes use of those those five subs. And he's managed to, to keep people fit. And we've managed to avoid injuries, except for Bobby, unfortunately, who, who still seems to be out. Um. And I think that that quality in in depth and coupled with the, the drive of this team, you know, they they keep dismissing talk of the quadruple, but you know, in the back of the mind, they they want to win everything, and they know it's it's there for them. And and I think that's what has gotten us through this this April, that busy April. And and I mean, it's it's still going to be a busy May yet to come. So lots more to football for them, and and hopefully their their legs can continue to take it. But it's just so impressive how they've managed to to pull off such a you know an almost flawless month. I, I mean, how can anyone say that it's it's been anything other than absolutely fantastic? I mean, you know, I remember us. I guess it was with Trev and Cam talking about the April fixture fixture schedule ahead of us and just boggling the mind and, you know, it seemed like, you know, just a very um, scary mountain to climb. And, you know, the lads have done brilliantly, absolutely brilliantly. And, you know, I mean, of course, we've had great rotation. We've been so lucky, um, you know, with so far, and I am clutching the desk, um, lack of injuries, you know, at, at such a key point in our season. And, you know, it's just, it just puts a big smile on the face, doesn't it, to look back, you know, because when you're in the middle of it, you're just kind of like, okay, just to the next one, just to the next one. And I just kind of forgotten until I saw Gags put that all up in the chat, you know, what they have truly accomplished this month. And it's just, it's just phenomenal. And, um, you know, well done, boys. Absolutely. And, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, maybe like some rival fans as well, were thinking this could potentially like derail Liverpool and their season and the injuries. And certainly if we had the, the lack of depth in the team, 
and the squad that we had last season, I think that definitely derails us. So I think I have to agree with you in terms of what you said about Jurgen Klopp, uh, about the players, how he's managing minutes, how he's maximising the five subs in, in, in Europe. I completely agree with that. And yeah, um, a, a hat tilt from everyone here at just how well and how incredible Liverpool have been in that very, very intense period. Which was April. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're happy with that. But first up, um, we are talking about the Newcastle game and we might talk about the Jurgen Club contract talk as well. We'll see how things go. But first up, um, we are going to go to our caller. And again, you know, he messaged me in the chat and I was like, do you really need to ask? I kind of expect you to call because I, it's become a bit of a feature on the Nina Casa show. It's a familiar voice, but I am going to give him a shout out anyway it's Kieran Kieran my friend welcome back <laughs> thank you very much you know what you never need to ask but I, I love the fact that you do so um you might shock me one day I'm not calling I'll be like what on earth happened but Kieran this is your little slot so take it away um it was uh about three points um as you know uh, we're at the point now where we just have to keep winning and you know, we wait and see what happens. But uh, I felt the scoreline was... The scoreline didn't reflect the, the performance. I thought the performance merited a lot more goals. I thought we wasted a few chances and then I was getting a wee bit nervy at times with it still only being 1-0. Um, because, because this time last year when we played them and we were... And we were just not particularly good with no centre backs, and then I was just fearing that we were going to get sucker punched again. But thankfully, that didn't happen. Um, we def- I thought we defended very well today. Uh, they didn't they didn't really hurt us at all. And I thought, um, you know, I thought everyone played the part today. Nuts, and uh, to bike three points. It's huge, and I think you've made some really, really good points there, Kevin. And we will talk about the chances, and of obviously, you know, there is plenty to talk about. Um, is I'm going to go to the panel now, and um, but thank you so much for calling, and thank you for no your problem. points. Thank and, you. Nope, thank you, Kieran. So that was Kieran, right, guys? Lisa, I'm going to come to you first on this one. So early kickoff for you. You were, you know, you needed to tank up on the coffee, and I don't blame you because I would be exactly the same. Team lineup. I mean, I think we we always have to start from the top. So you look at the team that Jurgen Klopp fielded there. Um, obviously, I think the most noticeable kind of changes were, um, uh, you know, Gomez in for Trent Alexander Arnold. That was a sub that was made um uh, in the Champions League as well against Villarreal. Jurgen Klopp made that sub. But I think the biggest changes were the midfield, of course. You know, Milner and Henderson and uh, Keita. So um, talk to me about the team lineup. Um, how did you feel about that? You know, it it didn't fully register with me when I first looked at it because, I mean, basically I peeled my eyes open and, um, you know, anyway, put my glasses on, which, by the way, I usually put my contacts in first thing in the morning, but I didn't even want to do that today. So I just kind of looked at it and went, oh, okay, change. Then I started thinking and I was like, well, you know what? Start with it and see what happens. It, You know, it it may be fine. Milner, you know, Milner hasn't played a lot lately, so he should have had a good rest. Um, you know, I liked the fact that Fab was getting a bit of a rest because, you know, so I, and I assumed Henderson would be in that sixth role, number six role. So, he, and he was, and, and I thought, you know, that's a good call with the run of games that we have coming up to allow him, you know, a bit of 
bit of time off. So I wasn't really super scared um, or, or anxious. Scared is probably a little bit of an overstatement. Because um, I thought, you know, I think it's going to be okay. And I tend to be an optimist. So, and again, I wasn't fully awake when I was looking at it. So I thought, you know what? Let's just give it a chance. Let's see how it starts out. Um, and, you know, and Saul Rest, I think, was was a good thing, too, because I think we're going to really need him in, you know, in these last run of games. And be, you know, because I think him being out a few games ago, you know, having, having, you know, not having to play the full 90, you know, did him some good, um, you know, a, a better opposition later. So I, I, you know, I think I was okay with it. I, I really was. I was overall, you know, it, you always have that, hmm, you know, where you think about it. And then I kind of think, you know, let's not overanalyze. Let's just see what happens. And the fact that I really only looked at it about 15 minutes before kickoff probably helped as well because I did to really be, be overanalyzing the changes that had been made and just, and I have no problem with Gomez coming in for Trent. I mean, I think he has been doing well when he's done that. And I've talked about it probably even on this podcast before. We know it's not a like for like. We know Gomez isn't going to play right back in the same manner that Trent does. But I think he is, you know, he does a great job when he comes in at that position. And and I think today proved to be the same as well. And I know we'll get into that as, as we go forward. But no, overall, I was I was okay with the line. Yeah, I I think um, uh, Carl, I'm going to come to you. Obviously, you've you've heard Lisa's. Uh, um, with that midfield, and they have they have happened in the past. I think you know there are genuine you know talks about maybe that midfield combination of them two players. They just can't play together. But I think what really sort of calms the nerves down is the simple fact that you kind of look at that bench, you look at the the opposition as well, and you understand Jurgen Klopp and the key to rotating players. And then you look at that bench and you think, well, Fabinho's there, Salah's there, you know. You know, you've got Thiago there, you've got Trent, you know, you've got Chimikas, you've got Elliot, you know, you've got Jones. Basically, what I'm trying to get at here is those players weren't playing because there's injuries and, you know, the, the, the squad was thin bed. There were game changers on that bench. And I think that's what kind of, you know, that Jurgen Klopp has got big, big impact players on that bench that can come in. So I want to get your thoughts in terms of the team lineup, how you felt about it as well. Yeah, so, I mean, in terms of the, the team lineup, there, there was a few let's say eyebrow risers. Um I mean first looking at the players who weren't included, I think with with Trent and Thiago out, you're probably looking at our two most creative players. And then with and Salah too, obviously in in terms of creativity. And then you know, with uh further forward then in terms of who is included, you know, we're not the most balanced when we don't have Salah because no one else is quite that natural fit on the right. When you're putting Diaz or Jada or, you know, even Mane out there, it feels like you're taking a little bit away from their game. Um, but Salah does have to have that rest. And there has been that question in the past few weeks, when is Salah going to get a rest? And, and obviously yeah. Klopp thought today was the right day and, and it worked out that, that way. And, um, but, I mean, in, in overall, though, d- despite that, you know, you have to look at them from kind of a, a tactic and tactical analysis of how we play, you know, how important Trent is in, in creativity and, and Thiago, etc. But 
overall, I, I wasn't too concerned because, mm. you know, the, the players that were coming in, Gomez has played uh, a few games in, in the past few weeks. You know, he's not rusty. It wouldn't be the same as when Gomez was suddenly included earlier in the season and he hadn't played football in a long time and he looked like he hadn't played football in a long time. But now he's he's back, kind of match sharp. You know, he, he knows where his place is in the team and, and he's he's there to, to do the job. And I thought he had a very good game today. And Milner, okay, I, I think every red would prefer that Milner didn't start because the simple fact is he doesn't have it in his legs anymore. He's He can't quite keep up with play as, as much as he, he would have in the past. And he also tends to fade. So for that reason, people like to look at him as a soul because when he comes on, his level of pace is more so where the other players are at after they've been running around for 70 minutes. And obviously we, he has that, that amount of the tank. But again, I, I thought he had a solid game. And, and when he did start to clearly fade, Klopp was quick to take him off. So, you know, I, I don't think we suffered at all for the, mm. for the changes. And, you know, one of the changes been Nabi Keita was, was, arguably our, our best player on the, yes. on the day and I'm sure we'll come yeah. on to him we will we will absolutely and I, I pretty much share your sentiments there I think you know long gone are those days where you, you grumble at the team lineup and things and you kind of understand that these players do have to kind of play and you know Jurgen Klopp being you know in on, on getting the subs so Carl I'm going to stick with you and let's talk about um, the, the first you know we'll start with um, Early, early portions of the game. So, you know, um, I thought Liverpool, they, you know, it was a nice bright day at Newcastle. You know, I think people think the north, the more north you go, the colder it becomes. So it's nice to see the sun out on, out, out in Newcastle. But, um, talk to me how the game kind of started for you because I thought Liverpool looked quite in control. You know, I thought they handled it really well. Um, I, I always have this horrible feeling about Liverpool not doing well in the early kickoffs, but, you know, it's, it's a bit of a, it's, it's, it's a self-internalized and, you know, feeling that I have within myself because they actually do pretty well. And I have to give them a lot of credit because they played Wednesday as well. So they played late in Europe. They had the, uh, you know, they had the late kickoff in Europe in terms of the later day and then the early kickoff on Saturday. And I know Jurgen Klopp likes to win more about them but I thought they played really well I thought literally only took 19 minutes for Keita to score an absolute you know I thought a lovely goal but um again you spoke about um Naby Keita then how amazing he was and how what a great game he had but it was great to see him getting a goal and they almost beat he almost wanted a controversial moment with obviously James Milner's tackle and of course Newcastle were calling for it as well so you know Talk to me about that because I did feel like that goal was coming and I think Liverpool, I think they just kind of bounce on the, the whole aspect of um, uh, bouncing into games in terms of, um, you know, having a great game previously, which obviously they did against Villarreal. So I want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, so I mean, obviously you're you're up against a, a Newcastle team that are they have their tails up at the moment, you know. They, yes, they, they do. I, I think they're second um, in the league since January in in terms of points. Um, mm. I saw that. I think I saw that on Twitter before. I'll give credit to Eddie Howe as well. Then I mean, you know, whilst um, well, if we if we're on the pod, you know, he's he's done well with the money. Yeah, like he, he's really lifted them, and he has them. 
a lot better organized than than his Bournemouth team was. I mean, mm. we obviously had a lot of chances today, and we, we, we'll obviously discuss them. Yes. But I don't think it was quite as open as Bournemouth were in the past. I, I think maybe Eddie Howe has kind of learned from his naivety somewhat when it comes to to playing the bigger teams, especially, and they're they're better organized for it. And uh, I think we saw that today. Um, so we knew they were. We were expecting Newcastle to have moments, and they they obviously had the the first moment in the game with the the first chance. And you know, you kind of thought, "Oh, are we going to have to kind of weather a, a an early storm here? You know, are Newcastle going to throw throw everything at us?" But credit to, to Liverpool, they really took control of the game, and you know, they they worked the ball around. They were patient, and I, I think maybe the past two games have, have served us well. And in, in that sense, that because we've had to have a lot of patience against Everton and Villarreal, and yes. you know it, it was calm, it was controlled. Um, we we had our attacks. You know, I, I think maybe the decision making from the forwards is maybe the one point in in this game that that you could criticize sometimes they pick the wrong pass or they shot when they should have passed uh, and we saw that but you know the the patience paid off and the the hard work in in midfield with you know obviously James Milner making that that challenge and you know it, it, it's ridiculous to think that that some you know, you look on Twitter and some United City and Everton fans are, are trying to clutch at straws and say, "Oh, it was a foul. It was studs up. It was it." Like it, it's it, it's it's hilarious to sit back and watch Twitter lately. And to any decision that goes Liverpool's way, you know, opposition fans are trying to find any excuse to 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 go against the referees. And but for me, the the ref gets it spot on. Like it, it's it's Shar who kicks Milner. You know the. It couldn't be clearer than that, um, but obviously the the ball falls nicely to to us. But Kada had a lot to do. But he, you know he what, you you, you know you Carl, you were kind of mentioning Liverpool decision making was bad, but you know I I felt like you know there was a lot of um. We'll, we'll talk about the shots, but one thing that really really impressed me about Naby Keita, which is probably why he scored, was. You talk about decision-making, pass instead of shooting, shooting instead of passing. I also felt like the quality of shots as well. We were kind of going more for power rather than precision. And Naby Keita just puts it past two defenders. But I let you carry on. But that's why we got that goal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it's you, you hit the nail on the head there. Like, it's, it's crazy how controlled he was in that entire minute. That, that he dribbles mm. it into the box. He takes it back past the keeper, Camden. And then he still has, with two players on the line, he still has to pick a spot. And he picks it perfectly in between mm. them. Like, it, it was... It was a quality goal. Like it's it's one of the one of the best goals we've we've scored in recent weeks for me because it's just it just fantastic individual goal from from Naby Keita. I mean, hard to say completely individual because you have to credit the the Milner challenge and the run up as as being part of it. But I mean, yeah. you know that's still so so much for for Naby Keita in, in terms of an individual sense like he he just does brilliantly and I I think the the goal just summed up his, his game as a whole because it was just a, a, a flawless performance from him he was absolutely and uh, AJ in there in, in the chat box saying Naby was brilliant carried the midfield all game Um, I think a lot of people were very very impressed with him and we love to see him not being plagued with injuries. Lisa, I'm going to come to you. Um, talk to me about the early stints of the game. And, of course, please talk to me about Naby Keita's goal. And um, I know it's an early one for you. And I, I hope that certainly woke you up a little. 
It certainly did. Um, I just wanted to kind of go back a little bit to what Carl was saying about Eddie Howe um, in the pre-match coverage that I was watching, um, which is NBC USA Network over Bobby Earl, one of the commentators, in studio commentators, was calling for Eddie Howe as, as manager of the year for the Premier League, which might be a bit of an overstatement, but but he certainly has done well, um, you know, with the team, and and I agree with the with the points that that Carl was making there. But I just thought the manager of the year thing was was of note. Um, and the sunshine at Newcastle. I actually uh, messaged Guy during the game, and I said I thought the sun didn't shine up there, so I was um, pleasantly surprised to see that as well. Yeah, um, you know, I thought you know Newcastle did start a little bit on the front foot more than I would have liked for them to, but. But I think we did well to, you know, to kind of contain them, control that and, you know, and play our game as as it moved forward. And and I was just writing down, you know, on Milner's challenge, you know, that was all ball. He you know, it was definitely a clean challenge is and looked up just in time to see that nice little, you know. Play around the players for Nabby to take his shot. And it was it was it was beautiful. So, yes, that certainly set me at ease as as we moved you know, moved on in, you know, in and through the game. And, um, yeah, I mean, Nabby did. He had just, you know, it's just, if we don't have Tiago on the field, I think we definitely have to have Nabby on the field, you know, for that midfield control to, um, you know, to just keep things being played the way we want them played in the midfield. And I, and I think he absolutely did a, a smashing job of that today. Lisa, I'll stick with you on this one. I, I agree with you on, on the points on Keita, but um, uh, I think I think we can all agree Keita had a really really good game. Um, I feel I thought he had a massive massive involvement shortly after his goal as well. You know, he plays a lovely ball into um, Diaz. Um, you know, Diaz could have gone down for a penalty. He didn't. I think it would have been soft anyway. He wouldn't have got it. But you know, we saw a lot of the ball. I thought Keita was pressing really well. You know, around about thirty. Three minutes, I think Diaz goes on a counter, does really, really well, plays it to Mane, who was, again, poor on his finishing. And, um, you know, I don't think Newcastle really scared me all that much, or trouble does. I think Almiron maybe scared me a little, but he was offside. Our, our defence played a really, really great high line. I think they do that so well, so disciplined. And just overall, I think even in the first half, uh, I think another time where we had another chance was maybe the handle cross to Jota, where Jota kind of heads um heads it and uh, the keeper um parries it over over the crossbar so i want to get your thoughts on on liverpool's finishing and you know do you agree with what carl said earlier on in the pod with regards to you know maybe some of the decision making was a bit off and you know just just in general and your thoughts on the front three yeah absolutely i did agree with what what carl was saying earlier i mean it's like shooting right at the goalie um you know and i yeah. know you know it's one thing for me to sit here and my living room in front of the TV and say that you don't know what they're seeing, you know, on the field, but, but it really did feel like they just weren't getting the shots quite right today. I mean, they had some fantastic chances and, and, um, but yeah, but they just seemed to, you know, that one, you know, of Mane's and, and, you know, where he just kind of shot it right at the goalie and, and I just, um, maybe it was just early for them too. Um, (laughs) But they, uh, yeah, there there were a few that, I mean, I think sometimes we're so used to the fantastic quality that we have in the front that we can, we can maybe be a little bit hypercritical 
Um, but that's their fault for, you know, giving us that quality, right? Um, <laughs> for, for setting such high expectations and setting the bar just so high that, that we expect them to finish off, you know, all of these wonderful chances when they're, when they're at their feet. But, but I agree. I think the decision-making was, was just not quite on point um, across the front today. But that's okay because we got the win, and that's all that matters, the three points. They do, they do, absolutely. And Carl, I'm going to come to you um, with with the same point. I mean, are there any any chances or any shots that I mean, I've I've listed a few there. I mean, is there anything that you you kind of want to highlight from the first half? Because despite all them chances and shots as well, I still felt like oh, yeah, we're in control. Like it didn't stress me out. And I have to give you credit for kind of uh, talking about the Everton game and Villarreal. Where we had to be patient, and here we we got gifted a goal quite early on, which kind of settled us a fair bit. So your thoughts on the quality of chances, um, and just the front three in general. I think AJ in there back in the chat kind of mentioned that Diaz absolutely terrified them. I think his pace and his strength was was just a little bit too much. I mean, I want to get your thoughts on the front three because I thought you know. I like Mane. I thought Mane did really well against Villarreal. I thought he grew into the games. They all did in the second half. But for me, I thought Mane just didn't look himself. And, you know, Jota, he's one of them players. He's a bit of an enigma. Like, he can have a quiet game. He'll score two goals and you forget everything. And I guess that's his beauty, right? But I want to get your thoughts in terms of the the quality of chances and um, what you made of the front three. Yeah, I don't think there was that many chances of note in the first half. Like we, we were very controlled, but the, the final ball wasn't always there. But you, you mentioned that the chance for Mane when Diaz broke away and uh, he rolls it out to Mane and Mane just hits it straight at Dubravka and just, just gets it wrong. Um, but for me, the best chance of the first half, and I, I suppose it was kind of the round one of, of what I'd call Jota versus Dubravka was when Henderson hits in a first time cross and yes. Jota as as always somehow it's like his head has a magnet towards its ball, footballs it's it's crazy mm. but he he gets his head to it and Dubravka has to make a good save to tip it over and and there was a you know Dubravka definitely won their battle on the day and and that was him kind of scoring the the points win in in round one as it were um but other than that I I, I don't recall too many kind of solid chances mm. the first half. There was a lot more kind of in the second half. But I I thought like the the front three they they worked hard, but as I said before, I just I just don't think the decisions were quite there. And, and probably the balance didn't help. As you said, Diaz was really good at beating his man and getting in. But obviously he prefers to play on the left side. That's that's where you know yeah. that's his bread and butter being able to, to cut in on onto his right foot. You know, it's it's a lot harder for him when he's out on on the right side. And I, I think we saw that today. I, th- I think he probably would have caused him a, a lot more problems if he'd gotten to play on his natural side, which he did obviously uh once we made the change for bringing on Salah later on in the game. No, we did absolutely. I mean, I, I, I mean, Lisa, I'll come back to you. Any talking points from the first half that you feel like we need to address, or should we um, move on to the second half and you know talk about maybe some of the subs and things? I mean, anything from the first half? Um, just I was going to talk about down that right side. You know, it was very physical between Gomez and Matip. Um, you know, and even. Mm-hmm. Jada maybe a little bit with with Jolington especially you know I mean there was I was yes. I was a little bit concerned um you know that that we were going to do something silly but but it all came off okay I suppose um but yeah but it was it was very physical there um down that right side I mean fairly early on I mean I had made that note at like 23 24 minutes so it was just something that 
seemed to, you know, kind of ebb and flow as the game went on. Um, but, but yeah, just something of, of note that we hadn't really talked about. Yeah, I mean, the three of our players got bookings in that in 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 that game against Newcastle. So Gomez, Mane, and Jotun. I mean, Carl, I was kind of thinking, oh gosh, and obviously you know what the Newcastle crowd are like; they're very loud, um, you know, and sometimes referees do cave into that. So, I mean, your thoughts on what what Lisa Marie said there about it being quite a a tenacious kind of, you know, like there were some players on on a few yellows there. Yeah, I mean there was a, obviously a, a couple, like a couple of professional fouls, and obviously a bit of handbags as we like to call it. I mean, yes, um, Jota pushes uh, Joe Linton, and yes, Joe Linton loses the rag, having lost the rag a couple of minutes earlier. I was actually looking at him as someone who could get sent off because he seemed to be losing his head at every little thing. Um, I mean, it's probably needless from, from Jota to, to push him, and it, it's probably a, a deserved yellow card for that reason. But with forwards, you're, you're never too concerned about a, a sending off. Um, with Obviously, with Gomez, it was a little different. You're you're thinking, uh, you know, it's, it's a defender. It's, it's never great for him to go in the book so early but at the same time like he's a he's a smart player and like all our, our defenders are like they 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 know when to pull out of tackles when they've already gotten that yellow so i wasn't too worried overall um you know the, the crowd as you said that 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 is a part they they were very frustrated i mean i think they obviously they can only go on their view they thought the the Milner challenge was a foul and i'm sure they they all would have corrected themselves by this point, having seen it on on social media or, or what have you. But uh, I, I think that that obviously did affect the atmosphere somewhat. And as you said, it's a it's a it's a it's a great atmosphere there, and they're a tough crowd. And you know that they, they were going to get on the refs back, but I you know the the refs seemed to like he had a solid game, and I, I don't think he was going to be influenced too much. No, and luckily, luckily, thank God he didn't. Um, guys, we'll move on to second half. And Carl, I'll come to you. Um, you know, there was more chances um, in the second half. And I think Lisa Marie kind of highlighted Joe Gomez. And I think, you know, he does put in a good defensive shift. I think he's obviously he's a, a very, very different player to um, what you get in Trent Alexander-Arnold. But, you know, um, and he has put in some good performances. I think one of the, one of the performances that really impressed me about Joe Gomez was... Um, you know, the one that he had in the FA Cup against the Nottingham Forest. That for me personally, he was my man of the match in that game. But obviously, we're digressing. We're talking about this game. But, you know, Gomez puts in a cross to Mane. And we're talking about the players there. And, you know, he, he you know, um, he plays in a cross to Mane. And, um, you know, Mane, I think, fires it wide. But, you know, you kind of, you sit there and, you know, you look at Mane and some of the goals that he's been scoring lately, but, you know, you feel that, you know, he could have technically done better there. He was maybe 10 yards out from goal, no real pressure. So, you know, uh, again, it just kind of highlights your point about, you know, maybe some of the decision-making. I mean, is is it decision-making? Did He didn't have, you know, he had a lot of time to think that. Is Sadio Mane one of those players that he's one of those impactful players where he's better when he doesn't have so much time to think? I mean, I want to get your thoughts on that because that was one of the earliest for me, one of the earlier, like, good chances that we had. Yeah, I, I mean, th- there is that that uh, theory on Mane that he, he plays best on instinct and, you know, yes. does things first time. That's when he's at his best. And I, I think there's definitely some, some method to that theory. 
but at the same time, I think with any footballer, there is times when they need to, to think when it is better to, to take a touch um, before you make that shot or the pass or, or whatever the case might be. And I, I think there was a couple of times today where Mane, particularly with that, that chance to describe, where Mane probably had the, the chance to, to take a sign with it and he didn't. And, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, but you know, I think every forward has has those games every once in a while. I think we've seen it with all our forwards. We've seen it with with forwards elsewhere. I mean, in terms of Joe Gomez, you know, I'd, I'd agree that uh, again he, he had a very good game, and you know, his crossing is something that that has impressed me in his recent appearances at right back. I mean, it it would have been one of the question marks in the past would be you know his crossing ability, and while he still doesn't have, he obviously clear as day he's not as good a crosser of the ball as as Trent Alexander-Arnold and he's definitely not as good a passer as as Trent is but I think his his crossing has shown to be serviceable you know he got an assist recently and he's put in a few other crosses that have resulted in chances so I mean it it is something that I, I think at least visibly to me, seems to be improving in his game which is good to see particularly if we if we are going to use him as a, a kind of right back cover moving forward absolutely um i agree with you and you're talking about uh gomez's crossing there and uh lisa i'll come to you i think he also played a really nice cross to diaz as well i mean there was a lot of chances in that half but you know that was probably one of the early chances that we had in the first half with um marnie so i want to get your thoughts on terms of you know how marnie's done i think he has proved a lot of the critics wrong you know he has been getting the goals so your thoughts on uh, just um, you know talk about to me about Joe Gomez and uh, you know the the Mane chance. Yeah, I mean Mane, he has been getting the goals. Um, you know, and I, I'm liking him through the middle. You know, in in that role. I mean, I know it wasn't really there today, but um, in the last you know couple games, he's been playing that you know role through the middle, especially with Bobby being out. And and I'm he seems to be growing into it. I think. So, but I, I do agree. Um, I think both of you said that, you know, I think he does kind of play a little bit better and he doesn't have that extra, you know, second to think about where he wants to put the shot. I think when he just kind of does it. Um, the thing mm-hmm. about Mane that, I mean, and this was more toward, you know, before he was subbed off, but he does tend to get a lit, can't think of the right word, um, reckless that's a little bit of an overstatement but but sometimes we're you know with with his challenges or you know or you know what got him the the yellow card and everything is that's the only thing about him that that sometimes worries me is that he's just going to do something silly um that that could cost us you know more than the challenge so to speak would be worth so um be it you know get somebody a you know a good free kick or even a penalty or even gets himself a red card and gets him sent off gets himself sent off um is is the only thing that i think sometimes he just he gets a little reckless i guess good word since i just used it twice um yeah so that's the thing did about he get booked against everton did you get booked against everton or am i imagining things Yes, wasn't that where when they when there was kind of that little bit of scrap going on and he handbags? Yes, yes, face. and he pushed yes. someone in the face. Um, Alan, yeah, 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 that's it. Yep, that happened. And of course, the the challenge you're talking about today is against them. Um, obviously, he went for the ball against the Baravka, and obviously, we know Sadio Mane and his previous against goalkeepers. And uh, yeah, Lisa, I'm going to stick with you because literally he does that, and then 68 minutes in, um, you see Jurgen Klopp. You see two players 
who are going to come on. And of course, the two players making the way are Sadio Mane and Jordan Henson. On come on, Mo Salah and Fabinho. So Klopp makes changes and Salah, I mean, we're talking about him needing a rest, but he instantly kind of made an impact. You know, lovely cross ball. He, you know, great vision. He sees Diaz and, uh, and then he wants to be involved and then he kind of makes a run in and, uh, Salah was nearly on the end of it, but instantly comes on and looks sharp. So talk to me about the subs and, um, you know, Salah just coming on there. I think the subs were, were, were perfect and, and, and timed perfectly. I mean, you know, I think I'm pretty sure it was planned for Mane to come off and Salah to come on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't think that was obviously a decision based on, you know, Mane getting a little reckless. Yes. Or being on. I think it was just that, that, that was planned all along. And, and I, and I think it was, it was perfect because that keeps both of them, um, you know, with, without the full 90 and, and to be fresh for, you know, for the next round of games that are, that are coming up as, as we move into May now. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, but yeah, I thought Salah, I mean, I think it was good for him. I think in, in two ways. I think it was good for him to have rest so that he wasn't playing the full 90 minutes. But I think he comes on hungry. Not that he isn't always. Um, but he just did look so bright as as he came on and, and just immediately involved. Um, and, yeah, that, you know, kind of first good good chance. And then I think, you know, Hendo off and Fab on was, you know, was, was spot on as well. It gave us that little bit more of control in the midfield and um and you know and it gave Henderson the rest because you know quite possibly he's going to start um you know the game midweek um against Villarreal so I think I think both of those subs were spot on um from Klopp today I mean I think it it almost just feels like and I'm probably going to jinx this by saying this but you know Klopp is really getting the subs right I know that's been a lot of criticism in the past um but sometimes it's just because he hasn't had the bench to pull from but he does have to pull from with and and I mean it just feels like the subs are being you know overall I'm looking overall in the last you know maybe say two months they're being timed at the right spot they're the right players that are that are coming on and you know and it's just it's just one more wonderful thing for us to be now. Absolutely. And Carl, I'm going to come to you. I mean, I really like the subs. I like the two, the, the, the diversity of the subs. I mean, I want to get your thoughts on that in, in terms of Salah and the instant impact he had. But I love the fact that, you know, it was 1-0. So he brings on a player that is going to be threatening. It's going to cause another set of problems because we know Salah's got the pace and we know, you know, he's just devastatingly good. I mean, us as Liverpool fans, you know, we all know what he's about and so do the opposition. And I love the fact that at 1-0, Jurgen Klopp thought, you know what? It's, it, you know, I don't want an upset. I'm going to bring on my general uh, in terms of a, a defensive midfielder to just tighten up the screws there. So I love the diversity in terms of the the two subs were like, it was like a balancing act in terms of bringing on another attacker, but shoring up the midfield a bit more and giving it some more security. Um, so your thoughts? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with what Lisa Marie said. I, I think Salah was like, he looked real switched on from from the minute go and and he kind of was the catalyst for for a spell for Liverpool which you I really felt was going to lead to the second goal and kill the game off and unfortunately it didn't uh, Dubravka managed to to stand tall but it it was great to be able to get Salah on there on the right give them something new to think about there and then also that allowed us to get Diaz onto his favorite side where he can have a bit more of a, an impact and and we really pinned them back I mean there was a, a sp- 
the spell, as I mentioned, where Newcastle just couldn't get out. They couldn't breathe. They every time they had the ball, we just nick it back and we were back at them. And it, are you it, talking about Diaz when he skins the defender and plays across to Salah? And did you see that skill where he just completely kills the ball at his feet? And of course, he hits it at Debraska and straight at the keeper. But I mean, that was that by Diaz. I think he just shows what he's about. And then Mosala as well, just coming on looking that sharp. Yeah, I mean, the when the two of them are in, in wide areas, you know, I, I think in recent weeks, that's that's been when we've been at our best in, in terms of an attacking sense is, is Diaz left and Salah right. And I, I think it's difficult for, I, I'm not sure any Red would, would, would argue with that point. Um, but I mean, it, it refreshes things up front, that change. And as you mentioned, the, the change with uh, Fabinho coming on, you know, it, it, that freshens up the midfield. And Fabinho makes a lot of kind of important interceptions in the midfield, which which allows that that spell to, to continue. He's the one nicking the ball back, mm. among others. But, you know, he, he stood out for me and, and allowing us to just keep keep that pressure on Newcastle and, and make sure that they couldn't kind of counter-attack, which obviously was important when the, the game is so finely balanced. Um, I was a little surprised that it wasn't Milner that made way for Fabinho. I thought which, that as well. I ain't going to lie. I thought, come on. Um, you know, a bit old. I I actually thought, yep, uh, it'll be Milner coming off. I, I agree. But I think you. that goes to my point that he probably wants Hindo to play midweek. Yes, probably. I mean, I just saw someone threw up a, a tweet from Simon Brundish there, where is he? compliments Klopp's management of the squad that it's been a, a total masterclass in keeping the squad at the peak of their fitness and form whilst mitigating a risk of injury through overplaying. And I mean, we, we touched on that earlier when we were talking about how he's navigated this, this April. You know, he's he's thinking a game ahead, which is so impressive. He, he's, you know, he he's making the right changes for this game while also making the right changes for the next game. And you know that that that's what we see with his substitutions at the moment. I mean, it's 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 pure 4D chess, really, from Klopp as far as the season's concerned. And you know, it's that's what having a, a fantastic manager and also having such a, a a strong squad allows. It really, really does. And yeah, um, that Simon Brundish tweet made it into the chat box here just to kind of um. Um, back up what Lisa Marie said about Jurgen Klopp's um, uh, you know, management of the, of the team and the squad and his in-game management. So yeah, I, I would have to agree with that. Guys, uh, it was, again, you know, we, we kind of, we had that big, big, um, you know, um, we were just creating a lot of chances. We were causing a lot of, we were asking a lot of questions. You felt like the second goal was coming. I think round again, um, Liverpool and you have to give credit to their, to their defensive work, but, I think the only time where I genuinely maybe got a little bit scared, um, uh, because obviously they, they, they delay with the flags, but I think, you know, uh, was it St. Maxima who wins the ball in, in the middle of the park? I think it was against Fabinho and, um, he puts in, uh, I think it's Chris Wood and he's 1v1 versus Allison, but luckily the offside, I mean, I mean, Allison saves it, but the offside, um, flag goes up. But I think that was maybe the only time that I got a little scared, but, uh, a credit to our defense. I'll come to Lisa on that one. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I was I was just kind of jotting down a note, say if I didn't get a chance. That I mean, our defense overall was so solid today um, yes. in, in so many ways. I mean, there was that great um, part. It was probably about, I think, 75 minutes in when Robertson and Fabino were, were kind of on the sideline, sort of double-teaming Bruno and, you know, and just nicked the ball away from him. 
um, you know, at the sideline, just, just such good defensive work. And there were, there were multiple things like that. Matip, I think, that we saw. I think Matip as well, right? Yeah. I think, oh, yeah. Know, I mean, just, I think, yeah. Just happened to be the one I jotted down, but yeah, there were there were multiple times where we were just mm-hmm. oh yeah, and someone Lubo just put in the chat about Robo sliding tackle at the end. I mean that was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. So I mean I think overall our defense just you know, and even with changes from midweek to the defense, of course you know Matup and Virgil have been playing together all season, but you know that wasn't who was on the field together in center back on midweek. And, um, you know, and Gomez coming in for Trent. So, I mean, it's just showing that even with, the you know, the changes in that back four, they're still playing well, you know, well together as a unit and maintaining that infamous high line that we have to hear mentioned every single game. Yes, we do. And we'll never, ever get tired of it because, uh, because it so they well do it so well. <laughs> they just do yes, it they so do. well. No, um. I'm sorry. What? Yeah. <laughs> what question did you ask me before I started nattering no, on about the <laughs> No, no, no. It's all good. I, I I was talking about just maybe the only chance that Newcastle had where yes. I got a little scared, yes. but um, the it defense was. held their line. Your heart was kind of in your throat just for that split second, but, you know, we have Allison. Yeah, you yes. know, I mean, and I've just gotten so used to that late off, offside flag that I don't get as irritated about it as, as maybe I was a couple months ago. Now, you know, I do think that is offside, right? That's offside. Are they going to put the flag up? Are they going to put the flag up? Oh, yeah. Oh, now they did. Now that, you know, it's been saved. So as long as defense, you know, the back four, whoever, Allison, everybody just doesn't expect it to be called offside. And just because I think that was a little bit of an issue. What game was it? Um, may have been the Man City game um, where, you know, they were kind of doing that. And, and um, you know, and, and, and they ended up being, you know, onside. I, I don't remember. It was, it was some game this month. I mean, Lord knows there's been enough. I, th- I think he's right. <laughs> you know, Lisa, I, I think you're spot on there. And, Carl, I'm going to come to you on that in terms of our defense and high line because I think it has been so, so well worked. The only time where it looked a bit suspect, not suspect because they are playing a world-class team, was against Man City. They were having some joy against it. And, you know, they, they, cause obviously they've got the quality of players to do so, you know, they, they were doing quite well with it. But I want to get your thoughts in terms of the, the high line, the defensive work that we put in today. Um, and I, I think that was probably the only chance that kind of scared me, but, you know, the linesman and his flag. And, uh, I have to agree with Lisa. So much, um, you have to give so much credit for this team to play, for them to play to the whistle because Going off topic here, but we saw T um caught um Courtois uh for Real Madrid. I mean, don't get me wrong, that was a great goal by uh, Bernardo Silva, but you could tell by Courtois that he was waiting for the ref to blow his whistle for a free kick or something. You could tell that he was not in the moment in the game at that moment, and that's probably the difference between a goalkeeper like Allison and Courtois because he just looked in no man's land for that goal. But your thoughts in terms of Liverpool and the high line today and that chance um, for um, Chris Wood? Yeah, I mean, the high line is, is always a, a talking point and I'm not sure why, to be honest, because I, I think it, it really speaks for itself in, in terms of its success rate. You know, you're going to have the odd game where the high line gets caught out because it, it's a gamble. The high line is a, a gamble at the end of the day. And, and yes. sometimes a gamble won't pay off. And there's been games of the Benfica game 
obviously we're, the the draw was a, a big uh, highlight highlight of that like where we just the, the offside trap was was fooled and uh, they got in and they they got some goals and i think obviously the, the aston villa game uh, the the 7-2 was probably the greatest example oh, of the highlight got out but those kind of games are few and far between you, you yeah. mentioned man city yes they they have found ways around our high line but i mean they're a team you know, in, in terms of how in sync their players are, yes. you know, the, the runners to the to mm. the passers. I mean, they might be the most in sync team in world football. I'm not saying they're the best, but in terms of that, that uh, kind of, as you know, to, to quote friends, you know, Unagi between yeah. their players. <laughs> um, you know, they're, oh, they're... My oh my God, that was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Um, they're they're they are going to find a way around a high line um, at at times, and you just you just know against Man City they're going to have chances. You you just take that on the chin. But for the most part, the high line beats you know the the opposition's attack. Like it, it catches them out. As it did Newcastle, we're we're also think nine times Lubo put in the chat. It, like it, you know. It is an effective system, and I think maybe those late flags in in recent years have have kind of you know leave your heart in your mouth sometimes because you're not sure yet whether the high line worked or not. But that's all it is. It's just a, a delay in the flag, and you know I, I think I've personally kind of settled down that that the as similar to Lisa Marie that the delay flags don't bother me anymore because I'm going on the expectation that, that we will have caught them offside. And when we don't, it's actually a surprise. So, you know, it's a fantastic system. And I I think it also serves to, to allow us to, to rotate in defense because I I think it's easier to, if that's your system, if you're relying on your line and just keeping a line, it's easier for people to rotate in and out of that line um, than it would for maybe a defense that, that play deeper. Um, Like a Burnley, for example, you know, they, you know, Ben, when Ben, me and, um, James Tarkowski are there, it's fine. But whenever one of them's out, it lo- their defense looks a bit shaky. Um, so I, I I have no problem with the high line. I think it it is the way we should play. You know, we should always play. We should never compromise on that line for, for anything. And, you know, even when Villas and Benficas and those kind of results come along, it's just they're the exception rather than the rule for me. I agree. And also you've got to look at your keeper as well. And, you know, you've got a, you, you've got a, a sweeper keeper in, in to some degree in, in, in Alison who likes a lot of space in his box. You can't be sat on his throat. You know, it just doesn't work. You know, it's not like a Seymour Mignolet. You know, those days are gone. And, you know, you have to look at your goalkeeper and his strength and he screams for space. So a high line just works so well. Um, I, I agree with you guys. Carl, I'm going to stick with you because you were speaking about James Milner staying on for as long as he did. Um, 77 minutes. Took him off. Thiago comes on. Um, I'm I'm loving just Thiago. I'm loving his numbers. I'm loving the control that he has. I also love the midfield trio of Thiago, Keita and Fabinho. I think, you know, moving forward, this definitely looks like maybe the preferred choice of midfield. I mean, I want to get your thoughts. Yeah, so I, I think... I'd... In the run-up to the change, Milner kind of comes in late, misses a, a challenge. Like, it wasn't a foul, but he just completely misses the player. And you could just say, well, his day is done. And clearly Klopp saw that too. And he, he was a step ahead. He had Thiago ready to come on. And, and Thiago comes on and he just gives us that that 
extra bit of control and and that's what you need when you're you're one nil up and trying to see it out and i mean as you said he's just been fantastic lately i mean earlier on in the season you know salah was the, the clear standout as as our best player but i, I think in, in recent weeks it's hard to argue against tiago like he's been absolutely incredible um not not just his passing ability his is off the ball work like you know this his tackles like he's 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 up there with yes. Fabinho in in terms of winning it back in in the midfield like he's just what a player and and to think that some fans or some pundits and some pundits still are, are kind of having a go with him and, and think he was a poor signing like it's it's completely baffling because you know the the only thing you can say against him is obviously he, he's had a few injuries aside from when he's on the pitch he's he's completely faultless and he's often for me the, the player that takes us to the next level like the, the player that takes takes us from a you know a, a very good team to a great team uh, he, he just makes us tick in there and uh, as you said that midfield three i i think it, it's difficult to to pick any other potential combination in in recent months and um, that that could be our best combination because uh obviously you know henderson's our captain he'll, he'll always give us all but yeah it's hard to argue that this has been his one of his weaker seasons in in his time at Liverpool. Yeah. You know, he's he's had some bad spells, and whereas Naby Keita, this has been the season where he's managed to stay fit. Yes. And when he's gotten on the pitch, you know, nine times out of ten, you know, he he's been one of the the better players out there. Like I didn't think he was great against Everton. I thought he had a quiet game. Maybe it didn't suit him the the way Everton were playing. Um probably wouldn't when you consider Everton weren't were completely bypassing their midfield and Naby's probably at his best when he's pressing and nicking it back and laying it off to one of the forwards and he he never got the chance to do that when Everton are hooking 60 yard balls down the field um but you know he he came back with a vengeance today like he was for me you know spoilers my man of the match like he was completely faultless as I as I said on the front end of the show no, he absolutely was. And um, I guess, you know, the whole, you know, James Milner thing. And I guess, you know, again, um, back to, you know, Lisa's point there about game management. You know, if, if you're going to play James Milner for 80 plus minutes or there or thereabouts, this is maybe the team and the opposition to do it against. You know, like in, in a sense that, you know, you've got all these midfielders. You can give James Milner some minutes, keep the squad happy, keep them fresh, keep them alert. Cause, you know, you never know, you know, football is a crazy thing that you might come to, they might come to a point where one day you might have to rely on James Milner in one of these games. You know, so it's very, very important that he gets the minutes as well. But, you know, Klopp taking him off at the right time. And I love the fact that you mentioned Thiago's tackling there. You know, it certainly, certainly has improved. He, you know, he was phenomenal. Um, He has been phenomenal. And I think the last season when he had the critics, I think it's also worth noting that the team was absolutely riddled with injuries in midfield. And he was having to play DM, which is not his position. So how can you call him a flop when he was not even playing in his right position? But Lisa, I'll come to you on that midfield trio. And I want to get your thoughts on that and if you had any notes on it Thiago is just such a joy to watch isn't he I mean he just yes. makes you smile he just, it's just and I mean it's he makes it look so easy I mean it's just I think that's one of the reasons why he is I just enjoy have truly been enjoying watching him I mean obviously since he he joined the squad but very much so in this last few months because it's like he is now being allowed 
play in the position that suits him best in the midfield and to play his game. And it's just, I mean, it, it is funny. I was thinking as you were talking about the criticism that, you know, he was receiving. And I really haven't heard much of that, um, you know, on some of the coverage and things that I've been watching. All I hear is them just singing his praises, like they've just discovered who he is. And, and it's like, yeah, we've been trying to tell you. We've been trying to tell you what a magnificent player this guy is. And now that he's able to play in his position, his way, the way we, you know, intend for him to play in our team, he's showing you just absolutely how fantastic he is. So high praise for Tiago Alcatara. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, this is the preferred midfield that we we saw close out the game. You know, Abby, Fab, Tiago, that's, that's what we want to see. But again, with the number of games, the level of competition we're in right now, it's just not feasible to have that play the full game every game. Um, and, you know, it just goes back to the wonderful way that Pop has been rotating the squad is, is you know, Know, starting Nabby, so that gives us that control in the midfield. You know, bringing Tiago in to help finish out the game as Milner was getting fatigued, and and allowing you know Tiago to have the minutes in his legs to help keep him fresh. It it just all goes back to having a strong squad, the way they're being managed, and it's it's just you know helping to keep us pushing toward the success that that we want to see, and we fingers crossed are going to see this season. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, finish the game off, control the game. Uh, you know, we look really, really comfortable towards the end. Guys, I don't think there's many talking points from the game after that. I mean, Lisa, any anything from your notes? Anything you kind of feel that needs highlighting? Um, I just want to say that the traveling cop was in wonderful form today. You know, when you see the when you see the crowd, you know, when it, the cameras would pan over, I mean, it was just a sea of black and white and, and our fans were kind of, you know, up in the, as we like to call it over here, the nosebleed section. But I could hear them. I could just, I don't know if the the coverage mics were just positioned in the right spot or what, but I, I could hear the songs, you know, coming through the coverage I was watching. And it just, it's just such a lovely thing to, to see and to hear. And um, so, you know, credit to the traveling cop today. Always, always. And what about you, Carl? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd certainly echo what Lisa Marie said there. That the, you know, I praised the Newcastle fans earlier, but equally you have to, to praise the the travelling fans, and they've, they've just been they've been the twelfth man in in recent weeks, and, and that's what we probably need uh, alongside Klopp's uh, excellent rotation uh, to carry these weary legs uh, through the remaining weeks, and, and hopefully to, to more trophies. Um, I mean, just my final thoughts on the match really would be that, you know, this, a few weeks ago when we were looking at the two fixture lists side by side, ours and Man City's, and people were saying ours was tougher because they were looking at, you know, the couple of derbies and, and mm. this, this match, you know, stood out to a lot of people given Newcastle's form. So it, it's such a massive credit to the, to Liverpool that they could go away to a, a Newcastle and fly in form and just completely control the game you know shoving aside maybe that that shot uh, from Bruno that wasn't really much at all in, in terms of Newcastle I've seen a lot of Newcastle fans say they just were completely toothless and you know that was because Liverpool yanked those teeth right out like they just completely controlled the game and just yeah. never gave Newcastle a moment and you know the Klopp and the lads to deserve a a big applause for that. They do, absolutely. And Carl, I know you've given some spoilers. We're going to go there, man of the match. So um, you watched it on BT because I've been watching you talking in Discord. 
They gave it to James Milner. Um, I was a bit baffled at that one as well. I'm not going to lie. I was like, really? Um, I'm pretty much thinking what you're thinking as well. So, I mean, just one more time for the cheap seats at the back. Who is your man of the match? Yeah, I mean, clearly BT have some sort of old age pensioner handicap going, you know, which which is fine. You know, Milner had a a, a good game, a very good game for for uh, for him. But you know, clearly there's only one choice for me, and that's Naby Keita. I would have to echo that as well, and I just love the fact that we are seeing Naby Keita playing full ninety minutes, and to me that is just a joy in itself as well, considering that was probably that was. Maybe, um, I don't know, um, a pipe dream. Um, certainly when he first joined Liverpool. Lisa, who was your man of the match and why? You know, I, to me, standouts for the match were, were Joe Gomez and, and Milner. And again, I don't think he's man of the match, but I, you know, I think just based on everyone's sort of nervousness or skepticism or whatever, seeing him in the lineup, I think he put in a solid performance. But yeah, I mean, no controversy. Absolutely, Nabi Keita. I mean, I, I kind of made a note at the end of the first half that he was the standout player, you know, for the first half to me, and and it just yes. carried on through the rest of the game. So, it, it's not even the goal. I mean, obviously, the goal was important and and was wonderful, but it was just his overall performance. And as you said, <clears throat> Nina, it was so nice to see him play full match, a full ninety minutes, and um, yeah. Long may it continue. Absolutely. And, you know, he was very much involved throughout the whole game. I think round about the 84th minute, you know, uh, he plays a lovely pass to Diaz, looks up, pings across to him, and obviously Diaz fires it wide, which basically what I'm trying to highlight here is the fact that he didn't fizzle out in the game. You know, he kept it. He, he was trying to make things happen and he was very, very forward thinking throughout the whole game. And I, I love to see that. So yeah, Naby Keita is our man of the match. Before I let my panel go, you know, some news broke this week and I think it left all Liverpool fans with the biggest smile and relief on their face. And I am talking about Jurgen Klopp's contract extension. I've had a brief chit chat about it on Euro Incision, but I want to, you know, let these guys have a little say on that. Lisa, I'm going to come to you first. I mean, incredible news, massive. I think, you know, we've, we were all a bit worried, like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen when he leaves? But um, I let let you speak about it from a fan perspective on what it means to you. You know, it was it was the lift and the bounce that my week needed. Um, <laughs> had more to do with personal reasons than than anything else. But um, yeah, I mean, it did. It just put it put a smile on my face and probably distracted me during my workday on Thursday. Far out of. Um, listening live on Discord to the couple podcasts that were recorded and everything else. But it does, it just, you know, I mean, our future was looking so bright anyway. And, and I'm one of those people that, you know, just tried not to think past that 2024 of, oh gosh, pop yeah. leaves. But it just really, and I think it's going to, I mean, not just for overall for the team, but I really think it's going to help maybe sort, uh, fingers crossed again, I think that maybe one of the stalls in Salah's contract. Um, I mean, I could be wrong, but I just think that having Klopp is going to be here through 2026, I think is just going to be such a strong point for, A, any young players we're recruiting, and and then again, you know, continuing to extend contracts for the players that we have. I think it's, I think it is all just setting this team up for 
long-term success. And I am so, so excited that Jurgen is a red. Here, here. And Carl, over to you. Uh, what does it mean to you? Um, how did you feel about the news? Personally, I wish they held on till Friday. It's my bond day. So just a bit of patience, but um, it was an early birthday present. I, I lapped it up and I've had a belated one today. So Carl, over to you. Yeah, so similar to Lisa Marie, I had kind of a stressful week. I've been moving into a new home and I've been so busy and there's a lot going on in the house and some things mm-hmm. are going wrong, some things are going well, you know, it's it's mixed. And But uh, it was funny because that day I, I didn't really get to look at my phone. Usually I'd be checking Twitter, you know, frequently or I'd be on WhatsApp and different groups with different reds and I'd know what was going on. So I was probably about three or four hours late to the news and I just got suddenly got a minute and I'm catching up on Twitter. I was like, what the heck hell? Like Klopp has signed a new deal. So I never saw in the morning when, you know, kind of the, the athletic and et cetera, were suggesting that, that it might be on the verge. Um, so, you know, I, it was just completely caught me unawares, but what, a, what better surprise to, to get than, you know, Klopp renewing. And, you know, I've been saying and for the past few months that, I'm more concerned about Klopp extending than Salah extending. Not that it's not important that we get Mo to sign on the dot, but I, I think Klopp is, you know, he he is Liverpool at the moment. Like he's the main man. He's he's the one that has us here. Tim has brought all these players together. You know, we we have to remember, and you know, there was that concern that you know our team is some of the players are getting on. They're kind of some of them are the wrong side of thirty. Some of them are about to be the wrong side of thirty. Um. And you wonder where that was continuity was going to come from. And we've done well with recruitment, obviously getting in the likes of Kanate and Diaz and, and, you know, Harvey Elliott and stuff, players that are, are going to be there for the next few years. But we do have more to come. And you want, when players are coming in, they're going to want to know who the manager is. And it's good that, you know, they know now Klopp will be here for the next four years. So players won't have any qualms with, with signing, um, you know, kind of a, a four-year deal when Liverpool come knocking in the summer. And and that means Klopp is in the position now to, to set up, you know, kind of the next crop and, you know, when it does come time for him to, to go. And, and I hope I hope it's not in four years. I'm hope it's in, you know, six, seven years, whatever the case might be, that, you know, maybe the, the squad will be in a, a better place age-wise for whoever his successor may be to, to come in and take over. Absolutely. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing there, you know, the fact that, you know, he, he secures things down and, you know, he will never ever, judging by him, like leave the club in, in, a, in a way that is, he would not leave it in, in, in a worse shape, basically. And, you know, like you talk about next crop of players, and I think that's big on this Liverpool side is just to keep regenerating, don't end up like an AC Milan you know, where you keep keep playing your best players. So, yeah, I'm really excited and I love having Jurgen Klopp there. Uh, I just think it's it's a match made um, in, in heaven uh, at, at Liverpool Football Club. Guys, we have come to the end of the pod. A massive thank you to Kevin who called in. A huge thank you to everyone that joined us live and chatting, you know, keeping it interactive on Discord and everyone that's joined us live. A massive thank you to all you listeners and a huge thank you to these two awesome, awesome, awesome panellists who have just made this show just much as enjoyable as Liverpool being on top of the league. Before I let them go, I'm going to get some plugs. Lisa, I'm going to come to you first. Where can people find you on social media and is there anything you'd like to plug? So I can be found on Twitter at LMarieMH. Um, and I believe that's also my Instagram handle as well if you know you want to see pictures of my kids or my cats or whatever 
Still doing the main AI pod with my friends Trevor Downey and Cam Branch. We're not able to record yesterday. Um, I think Trevor was having some Wi-Fi issues, but we're going to maybe try to sneak it in either tomorrow or Monday. But we'll certainly be back next Friday for sure um, to continue all the hashtag fun talking about our wonderful football team. So um, that's kind of it for me. And it has been wonderful joining you again, um, Nina and, and Carl as well. And, and I just hope everyone has a great week and just keeps on enjoying our wonderful team. Absolutely. And give Lisa a follow and do check out the main AI pod. It is a, an absolutely great listen. And uh, yeah, it's just fun. Football and fun. We like it. So yeah, do give that a listen. And Carl, um, where can people find you on social media? And is there anything you'd like to plug? Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at KMac of the Cop. In terms of plugs, nothing at the moment. As I said, my focus has been elsewhere, but hopefully I'll get my um, voice on a few more podcasts in, in the weeks to come now that uh, there's a little less on, on my plate. Um, but yeah, th- thanks for having me back again, Nina, and uh, great to pod with you for the first time, Lisa Marie. It's been amazing. No, give Carl a follow. And right now, the only plugs that he's concerned about are the ones around his new house. And we completely get that, you know, it's, it's completely, completely justifiable. But he will be on more pods and we want to hear him on more pods. And uh, yep, love having both of these two on. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, for my part, there will be a Euro Incision podcast. Me and Themis will be talking. Hopefully, we will be talking about the Reds making it to a final, you know. Let's hope, you know, we're halfway there with regards to that one. And of course, I will be back for my post-match show for Spurs. So guys, enjoy your weekends. It's great when the Reds get their wins early on. And uh, as things stand right now, right now, uh, still top of the league. So and let's hope it stays that way. Till next time, take care and up the Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.